Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and today I'm going to be talking about the, the various British setbacks uh, during uh, the Desert War uh, in 1942 uh, building up to Britain's final roll of the dice at El Alamein uh, at the end of uh, 1942, um, early uh, 1943. So if you've listened to um, previous podcasts on the Desert War, um, you'll know that the Desert War, uh, in terms of the overall outcome of the Second World War, is something of a sideshow. But the the British were determined, particularly Churchill, were, was determined to pursue it, firstly because it was the uh, only opportunity to try to score a decisive victory over Germany, following the withdrawal of the British Expeditionary Force uh, from uh, Dunkirk. But also it was a a means of uh, protecting the oil of the Middle East, protecting the Suez Canal and the arterial route from uh, Britain to its uh, Asian Empire and also of establishing a foothold at the kind of the periphery of the, the Axis Empire. Um, and the uh, way that Churchill saw the war um, from a traditionally uh, uh, British perspective was that taking on the Nazi empire head-on would be all but impossible and waging war at the periphery um, was the way to do it until uh, America and the Soviet Union were ready to land the the heaviest of blows. Um, The uh, the way that the Desert War was fought um, was, uh, fortunately for the British, a series of almost never-ending missed opportunities. Uh, the British had an excellent model 
to learn from in the uh, German uh, uh, example. Um, most of the RAF, most of the, the, the best aircraft um, remained in uh, Britain and so it gave the uh, German Air Force, the Luftwaffe, uh, during uh, 1941 particularly uh, a, a brief kind of edge, uh, a minor aerial advantage over the uh, Desert Air Force in the Western Desert. But the real problem was the fact that even though the British and Commonwealth forces um, outnumbered the Germans and Italians, the Germans and Italians were, uh, particularly well, the Germans, were um, better organised, uh, led, and their armour was far superior uh, to uh, the British. Um, the uh, way in which uh, each um, division of um, the uh, German army in the uh, Africa Corps worked, the, each um, battalion of the Africa Corps worked, was uh, an example to um, modern armies uh, during the Second World War and thereafter. Um, each battalion was complete with anti-aircraft guns, uh, tanks, um, its own air support, uh, field workshops, um, and artillery. So there was a, a complete synchronisation of infantry, armour, aircraft and artillery. And the fact that Britain's generals didn't see this until um, quite late on in the war as being extremely important tells you something about the calibre of generals that Britain really had during the conflict. Uh, I mean, one theory that is often put forward is that the First World War had culled off the British Army's finest minds and that uh, those that survived ha were kind of of, of secondary calibre. This may or may not be true. Certainly, um, if you look at Gary Sheffield, he argues that actually the First World War was a, what we call a bloody learning curve for the British Army and learning new techniques, um, mastering new technologies, and uh, integrating uh, forces into a kind of a, a synchronicity of men, uh, artillery, armour and aircraft, was one of the, the defining uh, features of Britain's victory. So, you know, it's, it's debatable, that one. But certainly, there seemed to be precious little innovation on the battlefield in 1941, to 1942. German tanks, as I've mentioned, were um, superior to British tanks and their ability to quickly repair them um, was far superior to Britain's. Um, the prospect of mechanical failure on the battlefield um, was more serious, really, even than losing tanks to enemy action. But, of course, the British faced the deadly threat of the 88mm cannon which could destroy tanks from a, a significant uh, distance away, um, far out of range of the guns of Britain's tanks. The systems for recovering um, fold, uh, broken down tanks and repairing them was uh, poor and ineffectual. Um, and the army that the British put into the field, led by Cunningham, we've already discussed his um, excellent work, really, uh, previously, 
um, was not really um, able to match the ability of Germany uh, to integrate tank, uh, anti-tank guns and infantry together. Um, the British, in essence, exposed their tanks unsupported um, uh, by anti-tank guns and therefore um, had a, a disastrous time throughout much of 1941. Um, in Operation Crusader, that we mentioned very briefly in the podcast on um, Iraq and Syria, um, the 7th Armoured Brigade started with 141 tanks and lost 113 of them. Whilst this was an unimaginable catastrophe, it still didn't prompt the British to really do anything particularly different in the desert for a considerable time to come. This obviously has a knock-on effect on the morale of British soldiers in the desert, knowing that they were um, poorly led and uh, led by um, inflexible and unimaginative soldiers. Despite the fairly micro nature of the war, Britain's 8th Army um, that fought in the desert has gone on to occupy an enormous space in uh, British uh, popular culture and the British imagination, and it certainly did so during the Second World War. Um, The contribution to overall victory, um, whilst significant in North Africa, as we've said, dwarfed by other campaigns... Um, But it was the only evidence that the British had that uh, positive things were happening uh, in the desert. And this was a a kind of underdog story as well. Um, The kind of story that most powerful imperialist nations tend to come out with. Uh, But the idea was that the the desert rats were the plucky battlers against Hitler's uh, sinister um, legions. And their improvisation and pluck and good spirit and chirpiness and all that sort of thing would come through. Um, The way in which Rommel was seen, though, in point of fact, was not entirely negative. He was admired by the British soldiers. Um, He was referred to as... um, The German army was referred to as Rommel. Um, and the uh, nickname of the Desert Fox meant that he actually had some grudging admiration amongst um, the British general public too. Um, he, you know, one has to recall that uh, Rommel was indeed a supporter of Hitler um, and only changed his tune on this subject in 1944. Um, becomes very on the perif- very peripherally involved in the plot against Hitler and is forced to commit suicide uh, as a result. One of the things that the British always did master, um, and the Britain's secret weapon was intelligence, and really the uh, ultra-intercepts at Bletchley Park, where the Enigma Code was broken and uh, the most important intelligence of the war was gathered. Um, this was a, a vital part in under, uh, vital part of the uh, victory over Germany, particularly in the north in the North Africa, because uh, it gave information on uh, the supply lines, particularly uh, to Rommel and how shipping was moving in the Mediterranean to resupply the uh, um, Africa Corps. 
And it was rather unfortunate, therefore, that this information was leaked to the Germans, however unintentionally, by Bonner Fellers, who was the uh, US military attaché in Cairo. So Rommel was able to stay one step ahead of the British, just at the same time that the British were able to spy on German activities, um, all the way up to July 1942, when Fellers was recalled to uh, Washington. Uh, the source of the leak was uh, uncovered. Uh, Fellers was not engaged in uh, any sort of treacherous espionage. It was uh, more an example of what happens when intelligence is uh, insecure. So the other aspect of the war that seems to be wildly at odds with uh, the, the Russian front was the uh, intensity of and brutality of the combat. Obviously there was fighting, there were casualties, men were killed, but there seems to have been an ability to retain some degree of humanity. Um, on both sides, prisoners appear to be relatively well treated. Um, there was a kind of a, a general sense amongst the Allies that the, the Germans uh, were not monsters and uh, didn't do things like execute prisoners as they certainly did do on, on the Russian front. This is, of course, due to the fact that um, on the Russian front a racial war of annihilation was, was being fought um, and there was uh, no such reason to fight such a, a, a conflict in North Africa. Of course... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This results in the uh, in either side being perhaps slightly more willing to surrender in hopeless conditions, both knowing that uh, the firing squad or um, the labour camp is not going to be uh, their, their fate. However, as uh, the Africa Corps marched on uh, Alexandria, it was mooted uh, that it would be a good idea to uh, reinstitute the old First World War uh, penalty of uh, executions for uh, desertion or cowardice. 
uh, Churchill quickly uh, countermanded this and knowing that it would be uh, absolutely unthinkable amongst the British public and amongst the British army to start doing this kind of thing. It's always important not to see this as a British endeavour either. Not only were there Australian and New Zealand forces fighting in the desert, but also South African, Polish, French soldiers, Indian soldiers, and a smattering of other uh, Allied troops from uh, across occupied Europe and Britain's empire. And it seems to be have been the consensus amongst the German and even British officers that it was the Australians who stood out as the uh, best and most determined fighters of the Desert War. Perhaps one reason for Britain's great tank failings during the uh, Desert War was that the uh, armoured regiments and the uh, armoured division had been um, part, really, their ancestry had been in Britain's cavalry divisions. Obviously, the horse had been made obsolete as a uh, result of the First World War. Though that said, um, vast numbers of horses were used in the Second World War. But for the the British, the, the, the new steed that rode into battle was the tank. And the mentality of the all-out cavalry charge that had won at Waterloo still stayed with the traditions of um, the uh, British cavalry divisions, now armoured divisions, and to their great folly, really, well, the Germans synchronised anti-tank operations and artillery and infantry and armour together, the all-out tank charge into a uh, killing ground had uh, predictable and endless uh, disasters um, until the traditions that guided the British and the uh, memories of glorious cavalry charges were finally laid to rest. And if the British soldier thought that his life was being put on the line by uh, effete aristocrats that had no understanding of uh, the uh, value of human uh, human life, human working class life, then certainly uh, Britain's colonial troops felt that far more uh, acutely. Um, troops um, from uh, Australia and New Zealand and troops from India um, who had uh, been part of the mainstay of Britain's army in the Middle East and North Africa in the First World War as well, felt deeply that they were not valued, uh, even though they did some of the hardest fighting, and that their lives were cheap. When the uh, plans put forth by uh, British officers seemed to be ill-conceived and poorly executed, uh, and men died as a result, this only brought about deeper resentment. The Particularly in the case of uh, Australia and New Zealand, many of the uh, post-war tensions between Britain and the Antipodes and the kind of the general cooling of uh, relations between uh, the mother country uh, and um, Australia and New Zealand were partly due to memories of the way in which the diggers or the Anzacs in general were treated um, and this resentment is also, also kind of echoes uh, failures of uh, Gallipoli and the uh, disaster of the fall of Singapore which we'll come to um, at some point in the near future. 
Cairo had become the centre of British um, operations, but also the centre of British military social life, with uh, bars, brothels, and uh, everything the uh, the soldier might require on leave. But it was also a great hiding place, a hiding place for officers who couldn't cut it in the desert, and a hiding place for men who were um, uh, rotated out of the front line and who were taking more than their fair share of leave. But there was a popular feeling amongst frontline troops in the desert that um, the uh, the lazier end of the, the uh, British officer corps and the more craven end of the British officer corps were having a gay old time in Cairo um, and uh, managing to duck their duty. How true this is is impossible to say, but there's certainly a, a, a kernel of truth to this accusation, particularly as it looked as if Egypt might fall to um, the Africa Corps, and the situation became hopeless, retreating to a hedonistic lifestyle away from the front line became more and more appealing. Of course, keeping the 8th Army going in a desert country, uh, thousands of miles away from Great Britain, is difficult, and it requires support staff, and it requires bureaucrats and planners. But Churchill um, suspected that there was a top-heavy management infrastructure in Cairo and few officers, um, or fewer officers, getting their hands dirty with the real fighting. The the war itself, compared to fighting in, say, the Pacific or Burma or Russia, was relatively, I say relatively, uh, more comfortable. The only real issue was water and the constant gripe of the tank crews flies. British soldiers became acquainted with desert terrain very quickly. Um, They began to understand where uh, quicksand uh, or sand drifts um, might be and how easy it was for lorries and uh, jeeps to get bogged down in in the dust. Um, Looking for rough, pebbly terrain was far better. Accounts of the war suggest that the uh, soldiers' experience was 90% boredom and 10% terror. Um, Most of the time was spent in the baking heat trying to remain uh, active or trying to uh, stave off boredom. Books were in short supply and uh, a soldier with uh, a novel or a uh, penguin classic would be uh, very highly sought after and he's traded around. And I suppose in part the tedium of war in the desert perhaps accounts for the occasional camaraderie between both sides and the uh, chivalrous uh, attitudes that we've talked about previously. In January 1942, um, Rommel launched a very effective uh, offensive uh, against the British Army, um, who tried to defend uh, against this thrust at the uh, improvised Gazala line, where brigades were uh, built into boxes, um, huge areas of land protected by uh, barbed wire um, mines and defensive positions. Um, the uh, plan was to force Rommel to dissipate his force by attacking these positions. 
Um, and the problem of this was that um, he didn't understand that Germans were a master of flanking operations. And the boxers were too far apart to support one another, so the Germans could bypass them. The uh, hardest fought battle was by the Free French Brigade, who fought at Bir Hakim. But even the French uh, were forced eventually to withdraw. The Ghazala offensive uh, began on the 26th of May, and within four days, uh, the Germans had gained the advantage. The British were forced to retreat, and a combined South African and Indian force was uh, left to um, hold on to Tobruk, and the 8th Army uh, fell back into Egypt. Rommel um, decided wisely to bypass Tobruk, and he could put siege to it um, at a later date. And the city eventually fell on the 20th of June um, due to the poor defences that had been um, not been kind of maintained to a sufficiently high level, um, falling into a disrepair. And the fall of Tobruk really shows about how overstretched the British and their Commonwealth forces were in uh, North Africa. And uh, this apocryphal story, not an apocryphal story, an actual story, is that when uh, Churchill was visiting Roosevelt in the White House at the time, and the telex of the fall of Tobruk came through and Churchill wept, apparently. He said, defeat is one thing, disgrace is another. And the fall of Tobruk led to um, 30,000 Allied prisoners falling into German hands. Um, And after Tobruk, the road seemed open to Cairo. Uh, The disaster of the first half of 1942 can't be understated. The Germans had lost 3,360 men, the British 50,000, mostly as prisoners. And much of Britain's armour had been lost. While Churchill was in Washington, Roosevelt simply asked him, what can America do? What can I do to help? And the answer was tanks and lots of them. And it would be this flow of armour to um, the Middle East and to um, the North British uh, holding uh, the line in Egypt that would finally provide Britain with the answer and give them the springboard they needed to launch uh, the uh, operations at El Alamein and smash Rommel's hold over North Africa. It was these kinds of defeats, the fall of Tobruk, the fall of Singapore, and Britain's rather average showing during the war that would have huge implications for Britain after the war um, and Britain's claims to be a uh, a world power at the top tier of uh, global affairs was going to come under intense pressure. So much so that by the time of the later war conferences, Britain had been reduced in stature as one of the big three um, to being the half in what Churchill referred to as the big two and a half. Anyway, I hope you found this useful and interesting, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Please pop by the Explaining History Facebook page and say hi. Um, I've got some interesting questions for everyone there, stuff we want to do for uh, 2018. So, you know, come and be involved. It'd be great to hear from you all. Thanks. All the best. Bye-bye. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 